This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. Dot, I assume Tom. You might recognize this man as having been Viper on Full House and Fuller House, but today we're talking about his new movie reboot. David Lipper, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm great, man. This movie was a lot of fun. I mean, just satirizing, uh, basically, um, cults and religious fanaticism and then being swept away into all of the hysteria yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, this was one of the most enjoyable experiences of my entire career. And, you know, bringing back Full House for a second once you brought it up. Um, there's a process when you do sitcoms of finding the humor in the rehearsal process. And we don't get that today unless you're doing a three camera show like uh full house or now the reboot fuller house, which I was fortunate enough to be invited back to. Um, it's so rare for us to get that time. And in reboot camp, we almost got that kind of time in that we had all this improv. So we had the script, which was shot like a regular movie. Here are the lines. Here's how you do it. Not really rehearsal time. It's like you show up on set, you block and you shoot. But we did all these one-on-one -on -one interviews. Like all the stuff I did with David Koechner and Jeruel was just, let's see what happens. So all that stuff was just off the cuff legitimately trying to work through their issues. And this is the beautiful thing that happened in this experience. What I did is I took all the stuff that I've learned as an actor, as a human being, uh, on self-awareness, on self-help, on self-growth. Um, and it's interesting, with acting technique, we want to figure out what our unresolved issues are and resolve them on the page. That's what I've done anytime I've coached an actor through my years or worked on my own material is uh, I try and figure out personally what connects me to this material, what's the issue that I'm dealing with personally, and then I bring that to the page and try and resolve it in the scene. So this is a natural way of functioning for me. So when I sat on these one-on-ones, I was legitimately trying to help these people figure out what the issue was and resolve it. And by playing it so straight and listening so much to what was coming at me, there was no time for phoniness or acting or any of that, those traps that we fall into. So what we got, I think, was, was some of the best material I've ever been involved in. Well, what I loved about it was that you did come across as genuine and sincere. You didn't stick it up. It wasn't campy. You played it as if someone that was playing the part of a real guru and, you know, eventually becoming, becoming the guru that he feared uh, everyone would follow at some point. I know the world premiere is tonight at the Austin Film Festival, which makes it even right. more exciting. Um, yeah, you were, we're absolutely uh, honored and thrilled to be uh, in competition for the Vanguard Comedy Award. And of course, we're up for what I think is the most important award, the Audience Award, which the audience gets to vote on after they see the film. And that to me is more important than what any judge says. I want to know what the people have to say. And um, and if we win that award, I'll be extremely grateful. And I hope everybody who watches um, votes for us and loves the movie as much as we did. Well, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, 
Ja Rule's in the movie. Ed Begley Jr. has some of the best lines in the film. I don't know if it was improvised or written for him, but I, I was cackling. Uh, Eric Roberts and his wife are in the movie. Like, you have so many talents. Ed Begley, Ed Begley was scripted. He was a actual character in that script. So that's just how good he is. And the thing with Ed Begley is this is a mockumentary. I mean, this is a specific genre. So you're talking best in show, mighty wind, spinal tap, one of the great ones. But if you look at who's been a constant in like 80% or 90% of the top mockumentaries, Ed Begley. He's there in one after another, just like in the ones I mentioned, best in show, mighty wind. Some of the really great ones, you know, you have other staples like uh, Eugene Levy and um, all these guys that Christopher Guest absolutely loved. And, you know, Christopher was probably the, the premier uh, filmmaker in this genre. So for us to get someone like that for this genre, to me, that's probably the greatest guy we could have gotten. I think the only guy missing was Chris Guest at this point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the premiere is tonight at 7.30, and uh, is there going to be a Q&A afterwards? Like, how's it, how's it going to unfold for tonight's festivities? So, um, so when you sign up for a ticket, um, you'll get a link that uh, unlocks this premiere at 7.30 Central Time. So 5.30 for those of you on the uh, West Coast, like me in L.A., and then uh, 8.30 for those of you in the East Coast, like New York, anywhere around there. Um, and uh, it'll also unlock a Q&A that features myself, uh, Evo Raza, who's the writer and director, uh, Chaz Bono, uh, who has a huge part in this film um, and is a interesting, diverse character, obviously, and, uh, and Lindsay Shaw, who I think is absolutely brilliant as Macy. Um, this girl you know, has some fame from a show called Pretty Little Liars. Um, and what's interesting is she played the mean girl um, and got a lot of nasty mail because people take these characters so seriously when people are that good. Uh, and, you know, I think it came back that she was, you know, people thought she was that horrible person. And so I'm so happy for her that she got to do a lighthearted comedy after that experience. And, I was just amazed at the level of her talent in this film um, because one of the things I look for as an actor, as a filmmaker, is when they're not speaking, what are they doing? And Lindsay is constantly on, constantly reacting to the action around her. So when it was time to go to reaction shots, and I was heavily involved in this process with the director, you know, who edited the film himself and did an unbelievable job. Um, but I got, you know, every single revised cut of this film along the way across this last year. And we discussed it and we talked about what was working and what wasn't working. Uh, I've never been this involved as a producer, an actor in a film um, with the director and the editor in that process. So it was amazing to see. And, and Lindsay was one of those go-to people. Um, and it's a great clinic on acting for actors out there just to see how important it is, not just what you're doing when you're speaking the lines, but what you're doing when you're not speaking the lines. Right. It's a very Meisner technique from what I've read about. You know, it's uh, the purpose of doing something, uh, you know, the, that's uh, doing it with intent. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. And then uh, it kind of reminds me of The Godfather. I always bring this scene up when, when it's like Brando's just playing with the cat. You know, it's not in the script, but it's just there and he's rolling with it and the cat's in his hands and, you don't know if he's going to kill the cat or if he's just petting it or like how that's going to go down in that entire scene. Yeah. 
So I totally get what you're saying about that. Um, take me through the process of the film. I mean, being a producer and the star of, of the film is difficult un- unto itself. But like, how did, was it your inception or did Evo's the one that, that came up with the concept? Like, yes, yeah, so Evo and I met something like five or six years ago on a, a short film that uh, I simply got hired uh, to act in. He came out to LA and did a casting session and hired me and flew me out to Miami to shoot this thing. Um, and I didn't know him at all until um, that experience. But what I saw in that experience was an extremely capable director who knew filmmaking um, as well as anyone I've ever seen. Uh, the art of camera movement, lens selection, lighting, um, just from a technical point of view, I was thoroughly impressed with him. And he knew what to try and push out of an actor and what to let an actor who knows what he's doing do his thing. And that is actually a really good lesson for directors out there, which is hire good actors and you don't have to constantly coach them. You should be able to just make adjustments. And, um, and, and so that experience was so good for both of us. We both had been dying to work together again. This is a script reboot camp that Evo's been working on for something like seven years. And um, this has been his lifelong baby. And uh, and it finally came to fruition. And he called me up one day. He said, I'm in L.A. I wrote a movie with you in mind for the lead. I said, wow, okay, great. Let me read it. He sent me the script. I read this thing. I said, like, it's brilliant. Um, I'd love to do this. Great. How are we going to do it? <laughs> so I said, oh, okay. Um, so he had a producer originally on the project who was from the commercial world. And Evo's from the commercial world. He's done a ton of high-budget commercials, um, which is where he learned his craft. And um, the producer that he had was a commercial line producer. I don't think was exactly the right fit for independent film uh, in this budget range especially. So um, I do have the experience of this. Um, I had learned the process on The Unwilling, which is a movie I starred in and produced and wrote um, that uh, starred myself and Dina Meyer and Lance Henriksen and has been a, a huge success on YouTube right now on this uh, channel. It's crushing it. It's almost 6 million views in, in about a year. So, um, uh, So I learned how to make a movie on that from A to Z. Um, and I know what to do and what not to do because I learned by making a lot of mistakes. And so I said to Evo, okay, I can do this, but if I'm going to do this, I have to have the ability to pick the people I want to run the show here. And, um, and he said, okay. And I grabbed Tina Sutakinat, who's a producer I'd worked with before. I grabbed my friend Jim Johnson, who I'd worked with before. Um, and the reason why I grabbed Jim Johnson he ran the real world for 20 seasons and that kind of reality training I thought was crucial to this film because we have all these filmmakers and people that understand the narrative filmmaking process, but we're going to do some improv because I already knew we were going to take the script and make it better with improv um, that we would discover moments that we didn't even know. But we just knew somehow these better moments would happen or funnier moments, let me say. And so, um, and so Jim was, was, uh, the interviewer that you hear throughout the film. And he's a pro at that because he does that on the real world. So, um, that was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle I had that. And then of course, 
uh, uh, my rock, Kip Tribble, who is been line producer and producer on, on all my little films that I've been doing. So, uh, once we had this core team together, um, you know, Tina and I raised the money and, um, and then we made a film, wow. you know, well, it does have that and, reality. And the final piece, the final piece, sorry, was the cinematographer. That was key. And I had already known Derek Cohen for some time and seen him win some awards at some festivals and stuff. And I know he'd done some shooting with the Kardashians. So he knew the technique of having a zoom lens on there and zooming in and zooming out and catching pieces on the fly. So with that, when we shot these improv scenes, he would know how to do that. So I put him with Evo and Evo got it right away. Said this guy's great. And I mean, what they accomplished on a 12 day shoot is, you know, it's amazing. Wait, the whole movie took 12 days to shoot. Just about. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. And it does have that reality film feel to it because yeah. our television feel to it because it is a documentary and it's shot in real time. But, um, the process of it all, uh, in picking which, uh, self-help guru to satirize. Like I had a friend a uh, long time ago that would just eat up anything Deepak Chopra would throw out. And I was like, I don't trust anybody that tells me to live humbly while wearing a $20,000 watch and $6,000 shoes. Like, how can you buy into this? And so like, who were the main ones that you were satirizing with all of this? That is a great question. And I'm happy you asked it because that was a process. So first off, let me tell you, I was so wrapped up in the producing side of this that it's about two weeks before shooting, if that. And Evo says to me, what have you come up with for the character of Gordon St. Pierre? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, the, the different character that you become for the guru. And I thought, oh, shoot, I haven't even like thought about what Seymour, who's the regular guy that I'm playing, that he comes up with a different character to play when he becomes the guru. To me, it was just one guy. And then I thought, you're absolutely right. He would put on some kind of an act that he somehow then becomes. And I'm like, I'm going to go through every documentary on Netflix and see what the hell I come up with. So I watched Wild Wild Country. I wasn't going to be the Indian guy. I watched uh, the Tony Robbins documentary and the Sweat Lodge guy. And I, and then I landed on this whacked out documentary called Holy Hell that featured this French gay porn star, former gay porn star who created this cult. I think that's still going on. Um, and it's definitely worth watching because this one will blow your mind. And, uh, A, just the research I got out of that documentary was, was invaluable. But, um, watching this guy walk around in his Speedo and the French accent and they carried the chair for him. And I remember there was a piece in the script where they carry the chair for my character. And I'm like, Evo, that's the guy. I said, that's the guy I'm going to model it after. You're already naming him Gordon St. Pierre. Well, that's a French name. Why don't we create some backstory that, uh, you know, I said, you know what? I can call up Maxime Roy, who I know from Montreal, which is where I'm from. I know the, the French-Canadian accent, like the back of my hand. I grew up there. Let me get her and say that I married a French-Canadian, and so I was a, absorbed in that world, and that's how I figured out the accent. So I called up Maxime, and I said, can you do this movie? And she said, absolutely, I'll do it. And her and I had starred in a sitcom together 
for a year with uh, Kevin Farley called Misguided Angels. That was a Fox family show. And, um, and so we were all still very close. And, um, and that's how it, it, it happened. And then I talked to wardrobe and I said, let's get some really horrible speedos that this guy walks around in. Um, and this is the guy, you know, who walks around with his shirt open and his speedo and sandals and, um, and thus we created Gordon Saint Pierre. Well, when I listened to you do it, I was like, wow, I think he's channeling GSP from the UFC for a second, you know, because again, you had that Montreal accent and having been from there, obviously you grew up with it. So like, you know, does your dad have that accent? Like you were emulating him a little bit or anything? No, no, I grew up in an English family, so nobody spoke like that in my family, but, but we are surrounded by that in Montreal. So like, you know, you go to the store, you speak to someone, they're talking like this. Um, so you know, spending the first 18 years of my life in Montreal, um, you know, I know the accent. I know the culture. Yeah. Um, it, it also a bit reminded me of the uh, the Bikram yoga guy in how, you know, he kind of turned his, his fitness program into a cult with the way he mistreated people or allegedly mistreated people from the documentary. We're not going to get ourselves sued with that. But so he allegedly <laughs> mistreated people and how allegedly, he, allegedly and uh, went over the top with just certain things that the documentary showed. So I could see a little bit of that in there. Um, There's no question. There's a lot of yoga in this film. And it's one thing uh, Evo and I talked a lot about. I mean, you have to understand, he lives in Miami. So he moved into my house a month before shooting and prepped the movie with me in my house. So we would constant. I've never had this unbelievable experience where I got to speak to the writer-director every day. Because literally we were living in the same house, this house right here. And, um, and we would constantly be talking about exercises we could come up with and we are Googling animal yoga. I mean, I never even heard of these things and it's, it actually exists. There is something called animal yoga. So like, you know, the fact is a lot of this crazy stuff is, is actually out there. We just had to find it and we did. What was the craziest thing you guys found that you're like, you know what? That's going to be a little too over the top for the movie. I mean, the the sad thing about this film is so many good clips did not make it into the film. You know, as Evo says, if I had two and a half hours, I could have filled it. But it's a comedy. You don't want to go over 90 minutes. Um, and to make a 90-minute film we had to leave out a lot of stuff. What's amazing about the world we live in right now today is social media, which has all these dangers and pitfalls that are actually in my next film that I directed called linked, which we'll probably have an interview about on another day. But, um, But on the good side, all of a sudden we have these assets that Evo has been making for all the key cast, these clips that haven't made the movie. And there's a wonderful clip with um, Lindsay Shaw and myself where we're doing a one-on-one session trying to get through her gum addiction. And uh, you can see it on my Instagram. You can see it at David Lipper. You can see it on Lindsay's. I think it's Shaw Smith Shoster is her Instagram. Um, but type in her name. It'll probably come up. You can see it probably on the Reboot Camp uh, uh, social media, Facebook or Instagram. And this clip to me was like my favorite clip in the whole movie. And I said, Evo, how the hell is this clip not in the movie? And Mike Short, who's a good friend of mine, who we have a few projects together, uh, Martin Short's brother, who's 
been one of the head writers on Schitt's Creek for the last six seasons um, and just ended that unbelievable run with seven Emmys. Uh, huge congrats to all the Schitt's Creek people. Um, so Mike, you know, watched it and said, how the hell is that clip not in the movie? George Falsey Jr., who's a co-producer on this uh, and editing my next two films, uh, said that's a clip that should be in the movie. So it's like, and then Evo said to me, it breaks my heart that that clip's not in the movie. It just breaks my heart. And I'm like, well, why didn't you put it in? He's like, because you try and pick and choose. You know, I had to keep the flow to the narrative of the film. And and that was the most difficult part is all this great stuff. So what was, you know, too much for the film? It's almost like, you know, how did he pick and choose? And it was impossible, an impossible task. And I've seen, by the way, 50 different cuts of this film. And I can tell you that they were 50 completely different films with 20 or 30% of scenes that were not there, that are there, that were there, that aren't there. Um, so that gives you an idea of what this process was like. We had so much footage. Um, you know, Jerul and Keckner, we shot for almost an hour. And all of it is funny. You could run that entire hour and laugh your ass off and be like, wow, this is like, that's a show in itself. You so know? what you're saying is this is going to be a series. You know, it could be. Yeah. By the way, I don't think we're not already on top of that, which we are. And Mike Short has come up, come on and said he would uh, love to be the showrunner of that series. And what could be better than him? Right. He was one of the greatest comedy writers of all time you know, having written for John Candy and obviously Eugene Levy um, started with SCTV. So yeah, we're, we're hopeful that we can um, work something out where somebody grabs the film and the series to be. Well, you brought up SCTV just before I could, which SCTV I think was funnier watching reruns of that than SNL at the time. Um, why is it that Canadians don't get enough credit for being as funny as you guys are? And how are you guys so funny on top of that? I mean, you, you know, Martin Short, you, um, John Candy, Eugene Levy, his, his son, you know, everybody from SCTV on, on like everybody that was there was untouchable. And, you know, no one thinks like funny Canadians. And then I was like, wait a minute, don't forget Mark McKinney. And then everybody else from, from, um, Dave Foley. Yeah, Dave Foley and, and the rest of the guys from, from, uh, Kids in the Hall and everybody and all those, those scenes. And now there's, uh, Kim's Convenience, the, that multiracial comedy over in, uh, I think they're filming in BC. So like, why don't you guys get enough credit for being funny people? I mean, I think, I think we do. Look, uh, people, people keep hiring funny Canadians. Um, you know, why, why on, on a, a country that's smaller in terms of economy and population than California? Um, obviously geographically it's gigantic, but why does this country have so many uh, funny people? I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question other than to say we have, we grow up in a culture where there's a lot of access to theater and groups and community stuff. Uh, in a much more perhaps liberal socialist, I don't want to use the socialist word, but liberal uh, community that subsidizes theater and things like that. So I think there may be more opportunity um, for people to do that. All I know is from the time I was a kid, I just got to jump into this stuff and play, whether it was theater, uh, which were 
many times comedies, musical theater, musical comedies. Um, I just learned, you know, by doing, and that's, that's the best way to learn empirically. You know, you learn, yes, uh, class is great technique imperative. You know, I'm a big fan of Ivana Chubbuck's book, power of the actor. I've worked with Ivana for years. I've taught her, her method, her 12 steps, but um, nothing beats working. Nothing beats getting up on stage and learning how to improv and improv is kind of the basis for comedy. Um, and that's probably why you have so many coming out of Canada where there is a big emphasis, maybe more so than here on improv. So basically you guys are just all drunk and cold and you need something to do indoors. <laughs> I mean, basically it's not like we can go outside and play when it's minus 40 with the wind chill factor. Right. You know what it, minus 40 feels like? You don't get cold. It's not a chill. It's really like someone's punching you in the face. That's what it feels like. It's just pain. Yeah. Um, with, with the movie premiering tonight and I obviously I've already seen it and, and I fell in love with it and I want to watch the other 50 cuts of, of this movie. Um, and the, and the two and a half hour director's cut, if that ever comes out, I wish. um, you guys got a chance. Don't worry about it. You know, that's like the, the 4k special release, uh, edition social media. Like I said, you can see these clips on Instagram and stuff. So they're out there. Um, for people that are buying a ticket to a virtual screening for a film festival, which is unfortunate because we can't be in Austin tonight. Um, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. It would have been a lot of fun for everybody I to be together and do this in person. Yeah. Um, when, it, when we do stuff like that, you know, um, what, what should people look forward to not only in the film itself, but in the virtual interaction with the cast that's going to be a part of it. And if they miss tonight's world premiere, will there be a replay and how many times will it screen throughout the weekend? Okay. Great, great questions. So first off the ticket, the virtual ticket, um, becomes usable at five thirty Pacific, seven thirty central, eight thirty Eastern. Once that happens, um, you can view it any time over the course of the festival up until six days from now. Uh, and you have a 24-hour period once you start the movie to finish the movie. That's the way they explain the rules to us. Um, so once you unlock that ticket, you got to watch it within 24 hours, but you have six days with which to unlock the ticket. And then once you've seen the film, there's also another button to watch the Q&A. Um, where you can see the interview with myself, Chaz Bono, Lindsay Shaw, and Evo, the writer-director. Um, and then you will have a chance to vote for the Audience Award. So please vote for us for Best Movie, or however they label it for the Audience Award. Um, and um, and that's kind of the whole process. Um, obviously, there are other films playing at the festival. There are badges and movie pass collectives that you can buy. Um, or you can just buy the single ticket to this film. It's 10 bucks, I think, on the uh, Eventbrite um, link that the festival has put up. And uh, the trailer for the film is also on there. So you can watch the trailer, see if it's for you. And if so, buy a ticket, watch the film, and vote. I dig it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Where can we find you on social media if we want to connect? At David Lipper. You can find me uh, on Instagram for the most part. Um, that's basically where I am. And also I have a Facebook fan page, um, that you can find just putting in David Lipper. Um, but Instagram is probably the best for me. I and at reboot camp film is, uh, is the one for reboot camp. Perfect. David Lipper star of reboot camp. 
world premiere tonight at 7.30 Central Time at the Austin Film Festival. You got six days to watch it, 24 hours after you click yes. This is a fun film that's a mockumentary. Uh, It's definitely got that best in show waiting for Guffman feel to it. So please check it out tonight and the next six days if if you can't uh, this weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you about the next film too, okay? Love it. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.